Do you breathe purple and gold? Are you ready to hoist the colors? Now, time for the most in-depth look at the world of ECU athletics. Welcome in to Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Watch the show live on Facebook and at 94.3thegame.com. Now, here's your host, Stephen Igo. All right, welcome into the show. Hoist the Colors, Monday, June 5th. Unfortunately, the East Carolina baseball season has come to an end. The Pirates lose in the Charlottesville Regional. They drop an 8-3 to decision on Sunday night, led for most of the game 2-1, to before giving up seven runs on three homers over the final three innings as Virginia's scary offense finally woke up. Still a tremendous season for East Carolina baseball. They end up finishing the year with 47 wins, one of the highest win totals in program history. But, of course, one step shy of Omaha. I've got several thoughts to share with you over the next hour. We ask for your responses on social media. We will get to those as well. Philip Pilkington is in the 94.3 The Game studios. And, Philip, we, we knew it was going to be a challenge heading up to Charlottesville against the national seed in Virginia, East Carolina. Definitely showed well over the weekend. They proved why they... We're the number two seed, and honestly probably could have been uh, a one seed looking at their, their overall resume, and I think they went toe-to-toe with Virginia for the most part, but just uh, the, the Cavaliers were a little bit better at the end of the day. Yeah, and you know, the unfortunate thing is there are so many good teams. I guess that is also the fortunate thing, but when you run into a team like that, you just have to be perfect, and obviously East Carolina was more than capable of hanging with them, with beating them, but the Pirates were not perfect this weekend. In order to play and beat a team like Virginia, and we would have had to have beat them twice one way or another, whether that was beating them on Saturday and then coming back and beating them Sunday, or, you know, barring them not losing to Oklahoma, which I don't think they would have done in that Sunday morning, or that Saturday, no, in the Sunday morning game, sorry. Um, you know, you've got to be darn near perfect, and unfortunately, East Carolina was not this weekend. ECU, look, these regionals, especially when you're the road team, it often comes down to if you're trying to take out the host, you've got to win that Saturday night game. That is the de facto championship game. And the Pirates lost a one-run baseball game where, you know, look, there was a lot of hard outs uh, that, that would have been home runs if the wind was blowing out, but it was blowing in. And at the end of the day, Ethan O'Donnell for Virginia in a 1-1 game got a cutter in on his hands just basically blooped it into the outfield for an RBI single with two outs, and that was the difference in the game. That was basically the end of ECU's season. They, they weren't going to give up, but realistically, coming out of the loser's bracket on the road against the national seed was was just probably not going to happen unless ECU just channeled, uh, you know, just some sort of unbelievable comeback. So that was the season, and, and really, you know, that's baseball. Like it comes down to one game in a regional format many times. That Saturday night winner's record game, if you look at the numbers, 80% of the teams that start 2-0 win the regional, and I'm sure that's even higher if you're the host home team. So difficult uh, end, and, you know, we just it, – it, it's always tough, Philip, because, you know, I try to, to stay away – you know, from the, the Omaha thing, everybody wants to talk about the College World Series, and I get it. It is the story. 33 appearances now without a trip to Omaha for ECU baseball, by far the longest active streak, by far the best baseball program that has never been to Omaha. But I do ask the fans, like, don't be sad because ECU didn't make it to Omaha. I think you, you'd be sad because you don't get to watch this baseball team, the 2023 ECU baseball team anymore, because that to me is the, the saddest thing. Like, making it to Omaha or not, 
that doesn't determine whether or not ECU had a great season. I'm sure there are fans out there that always want to go with the narrative, oh, they choke in the postseason, they can't make it to the College World Series. No, you won, you won 47 games. You still had a tremendous season. You had to go on the road against the national seed. You played well both games. You just fell a little short. So I'm sad because I can't see Lane Hoover, Carter Spivey, Garrett Saylor, probably Josh Moylan play at ECU again. And that, that's what hits me the most on this Monday as we kind of look back at the, the 2023 season. You know, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I almost kind of feel, you know, you mentioned the players are more sad. I mean, as happy as I was that we won the bowl game against Coastal Carolina, I felt that way the next day about never seeing Holt Mailers put on an East Carolina uniform again. And that is exactly right here. You know, so many leaders, um, you know, you think of a guy like Lane Hoover. I mean, I remember when I was still in school, you know, out in the jungle, out in the outfield, talking to Lane between every inning. So um, it's going to be weird not seeing him out in the outfield. You mentioned a few of the pitchers, and that really is the saddest part. And it's the fact that you also have to wait till February to watch another East Carolina baseball game. Don't get me wrong. I love basketball. I love football. But sometimes I wish all three sports went year-round because when one sport is absent, it does make you miss that sport. And that, you know, is the most disappointing thing. I mean, obviously you want to get there. You want to win a World Series. I mean, you play the game to win the game. But, you know, the unfortunate thing is, you know, I was kind of hoping that we would either uh, host Duke next week or I was going to get to make a trip down to Conway to watch us play Coastal. And unfortunately, that's not going to happen. You know, you mentioned the bowl thing, and at least half the teams in college football that are playing, they get to feel good and with the win. You know, they get to end their season with the win. In baseball, unless you are the team that is is winning the College World Series, everybody else is, is finishing with a loss. So, um, of course, ECU coming up short of the College World Series, but still four straight years, conference regular season champions, four straight years of making at least to the regional championship. I always get asked, hey, what do we need to do to – put ourselves in a better position to get to Omaha. Now, ECU, as a program, is in the best possible position it's ever been to get to Omaha. They are knocking on the door every single year. We'll hear Cliff Godwin address that later. Yeah, are there some things they could do a little bit differently? I would like to see them go maybe add a couple of impact transfers or at least try to at positions of need, maybe do a couple of different things philosophy-wise. But overall, culture, coaching staff, it's not like they need to overhaul what they're doing. Uh, they just, you know, just got to continue to knock at the door until it comes down, and eventually it will. So, I tell you what, let's get to some of our post game cuts. I was at, I was in Charlottesville, just got back this morning. Um, we caught up with the the seniors, the three seniors, Garrett Saylor, uh, Carter Spivey, Lane Hoover. We'll have those comments for you a little bit later. But Cliff Goblin, the head coach, was at the podium as well. This is his opening statement. Cliff Goblin cut one. Clark, if you could play that after the loss to Virginia. And it's always tough this time of year unless you're holding up the, the big trophy at the end of the national championship. And uh, congrats to UVA, they're a really good team. Coach O'Connor, Coach Mack, um, the entire coaching staff, and the players, they're, they're a really good team. And so, hard ball game, you know, 2 to 1 there uh, late. And, uh, you know, Lane again pitched his tail off and, you know, just did execute one pitch and got hit to and Homer. And then, you know, Spives, uh, you know, when he to walk a guy because he's better versus lefties, kind of same thing happens. I mean, if we could have those two pitches back, uh, I think we'd win the game. But that's baseball's game engines, pitches, and Starling, you know, hits the ball just a little bit off the end for it would have been a grand slam to tie the game. So uh, I couldn't be more proud of these three guys and our team. Um, you know, what these guys have meant to me here, three fifth year seniors. Um, I don't have the stats in front of me. 
Somebody, but they probably won more games in East Carolina than any uh, players in EC baseball history. Three regional championships, um, I guess four conference regular season championships, a couple uh, conference tournament championships. They've all graduated. Um, I'm super proud of them. Um, I'm sorry I couldn't do more to, to get them to the promised land and play the College World Series, but these three are, are very special to me, and I love them, and I just thank our entire team for. Uh, the hard work they put in on the field in the classroom, um, and we just were a little bit short today. There's East Carolina head coach Cliff Goblin after the loss to UVA. We'll get to more of his comments in a second. Again, we are live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. Drop us a comment. We'll get to it throughout the show. Josh Betts, he wants to know, do we think Cliff goes slightly more to the transfer portal after seeing how effective it was for UVA or sticks to his ways? Uh, so this is a very interesting conversation. It's not like ECU has ignored the transfer portal. Uh, they brought in a couple of pitchers last year, Tyler Brott, Willie Lumpkin, and also Jonathan Childress from Texas A&M. Childress didn't work out. The other two had their moments. But we have not seen maybe impact guys from the portal. We saw Benzer Williger last year make some, some, some impact and certainly pitch well in the postseason late in the year. But you look at UVA, all three starting pitchers in this regional from the transfer portal their center fielder who hit the game-winning home run last night, transfer portal. And Brian O'Connor basically said, look, we're not going to build from the transfer portal, but when we have a need, we identified that and we went out and got, hey, they went out and took two center fielders. O'Donnell won the job. You saw what type of impact he made. So uh, I have to think if you're ECU, you see the impact Virginia got from the portal, which is a well-established program with a great culture similar to ECU that the Pirates would maybe try and Looking at that portal a little harder. Yeah, I think they will. But you know, Cliff Godwin's going to stick to his his core values. I think up front, where he tries to recruit his guys, and then you know, kind of doing it the same way that Virginia does it. You're going to fill in the pieces via the portal. But Coach Godwin's a big culture guy, and the guys that he gets from the portal, whereas they will be talented, they will also fit his mold. If it's not a guy that he would have recruited coming out of high school, I'm not talking about that from a talent standpoint, but from an attitude standpoint, then he's not going to recruit that kid out of the portal. So I think it's a little bit of both. Yes, he is going to stick to his ways, his mindset, but he understands that the portal is very much part of college athletics here in the year 2023, and he will use that to his advantage when need be yeah i mean that's the thing you got to find the balance and i just would like to see ecu maybe try a little bit more to try and find that balance because even you know o'connor said look our i just found this comments interesting after they basically they won the regional he was like look our high school recruiting and development will always be the backbone of our program but when we have a clear need you know to me like i look at ecu's team i see a clear need uh they got to find a right-handed bat they, they have to probably uh, find a, a defensive upgrade on the infield, particularly at shortstop, I think, ideally, this offseason. If you can find that guy in the portal to complete your team, I think you go out and do it. So I just would, would like to see the Pirates. I'm sure look, they, they know the needs better than I do, so they're looking into it. And the NIL stuff plays a role, too. Now, O'Connor did say they didn't. He said they'll never go out and buy players. Who knows if they are able to use NIL to their advantage at Virginia. As far as baseball, I don't know. Uh, but certainly whatever they did work, they're on their way to hosting the Super Regional, and they've got a great team. I mean, they're an awesome team. So we'll see, but there's definitely a delicate balance to it, Josh. If you got a question, YouTube, Facebook, drop it. We'll get to it throughout the show. Uh, I'll tell you what, Phil, the guy who was dynamite last night for East Carolina was Zach Root, a freshman in that role. 
he looked like he belonged, and uh, I think that's a great sign. Because I look at next year, I see Trey Savage and Zach Root anchoring this rotation, and that's a heck of a one-two punch if it kind of looks like it does on paper. Yeah, I think for sure. I mean, unfortunately, Zach got pulled there because I think that Godwin did not want him to see um, Geloff a third Geloff. time, which, yeah. I, you know, I understand that. Uh, but, you know, that moment, like you mentioned, did not look too big for him. You know, he looked very calm, composed on the mound. Obviously, he did not have quite as much command with that breaking ball as we would have liked to have seen. He walked a few guys where he couldn't get that breaking ball down in the zone, particularly against right-handed hitters. But... Overall, he pitched well, he pounded the zone with his fastball, and when something didn't go his way, his demeanor didn't change on the mound, and I really liked that, especially from a freshman. That was a hostile environment last night. You're not just on the road in a regional. You're going against a national seed in an ACC program that yet might not be quite the atmosphere of Clark LeClaire Stadium, but it is still a pretty good atmosphere up there. It's a team that won a national championship just eight years ago, and calm, cool collective from Zach Root, you know, Unfortunately for him, he wasn't able to get the win. He did get the no decision as he was not charged with the loss either, but I thought a phenomenal outing from Zach. Cliff Goblin spoke about Zach Root's performance after the game. This is cut to Coach Goblin talking about the freshman's outing. I'm going to be honest with you, I knew he picked well. Uh, that's no disrespect to UVA, but uh, in my mind, it's a game where sometimes he doesn't pitch good when it's not a big moment. But I mean, talk about the... Uh, you know, first weekend we're behind and he comes in and he's George Washington and he's just mowing guys down and then he closes out a game in front of 6,000 the second weekend against North Carolina. Um, the bigger the moment, for whatever reason, as he clearly gets going, the shot's good. Um, you know, he's still got to work hard. You know, these three guys will tell you that we love him, but uh, if he wants to try to work like these three guys. All right, there's uh, Cliff Galvin talking about Zach Roots and, yeah, I think the the future is extremely bright for for Zach, left-hander. He was up to 95 last night, which is a uh, a heck of a performance from the, the freshman lefty, and uh, I think he'll be a strong pitcher in the future. All right, Cliff Goblin was asked kind of what he will remember most about this 2023 ECU baseball team. We're going to talk about that on the other side with some of you guys on Twitter, but here was Coach Goblin cut three. Clark, his response to what he will remember most about the, the season. Um, that it was never easy for us. <laughs> I mean, uh, what we went through I and mean, the injuries from uh, Starling missing time, um, Mullen missed a couple games, JC missed two weeks, Wilcoxon you know, missed uh, the Houston weekend, uh, his Savage missed time, um, Miss Saylor missed five weeks, and our guys just kept grinding. You know, I, I don't think um, the country probably respected us as much as. I respected us because, you know, we had 45 regular season wins. And even if we won the conference tournament, the, the NCAA wasn't going to let us host a regional, which I'm not real sure how that happens. But uh, um, what they did um, was special because it wasn't easy. They did it the hard way and, uh, you know, had to come from behind. The, you know, we weren't winning the conference like we had in the past, but we had to come from behind and sweep USF on the last weekend, and they did that. So they lost game one of the – AAC tournament and you know most teams that would have been in our position you already in the regional would have just packed in and those guys got to the championship game nobody had ever done that before um, so that's what I will remember about this team and these guys is that they never quit 
And Coach Galvin, of course, addressed the uh, the fact, of course, the three seniors beside him who were Lane Hoover, Carter Spivey, and Garrett Saylor had just played their last game in an ECU uniform. Somebody asked kind of that the legacy they leave, and he also talks about the elephant in the room, Omaha, ECU not getting to Omaha despite their 33rd NCAA appearance. But a classic quote he gave us, uh, as he often does in these press conferences, here is uh, Cliff Galvin talking about the three seniors and the impact they leave. I don't know Chip on most wins ever in EC baseball history in five years, uh, but as good a baseball player as there are, the better people. And that's the thing I say every year. That we do it the right way. We don't cheat, we do it the right way. And we're going to get there. It's just hard if you knock that door now, but I tell you what, we'll, we'll get out of it. It just ain't come down yet. So when it comes down, it's going to be a flood of purple and gold to be in Omaha, I can tell you that. There's Cliff Galvin beating the crap out of the door, Philip, uh, to, to get to Omaha. And they, I mean, they really are. I mean, uh, again, People want to complain about, oh, this program can never get to Omaha, but I still stand by the fact that they're in the best position they've ever been. It just hasn't happened yet. I mean, it just that that's just how it works sometimes. Like, you just don't roll the dice and get a magic formula. You, you It's just going to happen one day, and as long as they keep putting themselves in this position, it will happen. Yeah, and, you know, we kind of talked about this last week now that college baseball is as deep as it's ever been. There's more – Omaha caliber teams than there's ever been and only eight get to go and unfortunately you need to be one of those you know what anywhere from 15 to 20 teams that's talented enough but unfortunately you need some luck on your side and you know we talked about the super regional down in Lubbock back in 2016 with the ball bouncing off the mound and going right to the second baseman we were just 90 feet away the Pirates have just not had that luck and unfortunately as bad as it sounds because sports are about talent and are about being the best but just because the talent is so evenly distributed you need some luck same thing you know getting to the final four it's the same thing get it winning a Super Bowl it's it's all around sports right now and that's what makes them so exciting and that's what's going to make that trip to Omaha when it finally happens just that much sweeter exactly I mean I think you said it well there and when it does happen it'll be awesome my, my advice is just enjoy enjoy the ride you know enjoy the teams for what they are you know don't don't always make it Omaha or bust just enjoy ECU baseball the experience it is, the joy it brings, being out at the ballpark, everything ECU baseball is. It is a, you know, you go to other places when we travel on the road, even to this Virginia region. It was a great atmosphere, but it's nothing like Clark LeClaire. Like, it, ECU baseball is one of a kind, whether they make it to the College World Series or not. I mean, it, it's it's awesome as it is. It, it doesn't have to be an Omaha program to be a elite program, in my opinion. So, enjoy the ride. Yeah, it stinks they came up short, but... Um, I'll always remember this team for a variety of reasons, and we will talk about your reasons why you'll remember this baseball team. We asked for your responses on Twitter. We'll get to some of that. We'll also share some comments from the three seniors who will be leaving the program after their eligibility is done, and Carter Spivey, Lane Hoover, and also Garrett Saylor. You're listening to Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game as we look back at the 2023 ECU baseball season. We'll have more for you on the other side. 
Here there be pirates. Back to Hoist the Colors with Stephen Igo. How good is this? On 94.3 The Game. All right, welcome back into this Monday, June 5th, ECU baseball post-mortem special. 94.3 The Game, Pirates coming up just short in the Charlottesville Regional. Philip Hilkington in studio. Steve and I go here. We are going to read your comments here shortly, kind of looking back at the season, what you remembered most and more. Uh, we got a few comments on Facebook and Twitter uh, we'll get to here. And uh, let's talk about um, those real quick, Philip, and then we'll get into these comments. David Richmond says the last time we lost a regional final was 2018. How many programs can say that? I mean, yeah, ECU has been to three straight Super Regionals. Of course, 2020 was canceled due to COVID. But a lot of teams would love to be in ECU's position. So uh, I think that is important to remember. Uh, Josh Betts with another question. He says, in years past, Cliff Goblin has been mentioned for job openings. Is there an opening that might intrigue him this offseason? Uh, as of now, I mean, I mean, there's look, there's always going to be openings. I would say this, Philip, that there's going to be openings that want Cliff Goblin. It's just, you know, I've always said to me, like, Cliff Goblin is probably only going to leave for LSU or Ole Miss, if that. And, you know, LSU, he was in the running a few years ago now and didn't get that job. They ended up hiring uh, the Arizona coach. Ole Miss right now has Mike Bianco. If Bianco retires, I could see some worry there. I don't think he's going to Georgia, even though they may have interest, or Alabama, but, um, your, your thoughts, Philip? I mean, I think it's just something we're going to have to deal with every offseason, but I, I don't think Cliff Goblin's going going anywhere right now. No, that's 100% correct. You know, we're kind of, I, you know, kind of compare us to Gonzaga, right, in basketball, where, you know, they have to wonder every year if Mark Few is going to leave, because every time a big-name job opens up, you know, they're asking the same thing. But, you know, I agree with you. I think it's going to have to be a top-tier program. That doesn't just mean a top-tier conference like the SEC. I mean, you know, like you said, the Georgia job's open. I would not be worried about him taking the Georgia job. But, if you as you mentioned, if something like Ole Miss were to open up, I can see it. But, you know, Coach Godwin has, to me, always come across one of those guys of it's about the culture, it's about the results, and it's not about the dollar sign. You know, I mean, I don't know, but it's it's kind of that same thing where, you know, he always preaches culture in this in pirate baseball. And I know all coaches do, but it seems like he might take it to another level. And I really do think he have he has, excuse me, unfinished business here in Greenville. And I can see him honestly not leading till this team at least makes it to Omaha once. Yeah, uh, there's no doubt about that. Um, Josh Betts also says, who gets a championship first, Cliff Goblin or Mark Few? It's a great question, Josh. Um, I'm going to go, uh, as far as national title, I'm going to say Mark Few, but you never know. I mean, ECU, once they get there, all bets are off. Richard Allsbrook says, I noticed UVA had a lot of portal pitchers. Is that going to be the new trend for all of college baseball? I just think the transfer portal is the new trend for college sports and it's bled into college baseball not as much as other sports but it's getting there even before the postseason there's a ton of players entering the portal so I think you got to find that balance kind of like Virginia has kind of like ECU may try to of taking a few transfers every year but still developing talent still developing high school players that sort of stuff as far as recruiting so I just think that's the norm now all right, again, if you got any more comments, questions, drop them into the, the chat. We'll get to them. Let's get to some of these Twitter comments, Philip. Uh, I got it pulled up. I'll kind of read them, and uh, we can both comment on them if there's anything 
you know, worth commenting on. Uh, Dan says, and the prompt was what we remember most about the 2023 ECU baseball season. Uh, so Dan says, taking my son to experience a regional opening win and snagging a Jacob Jenkins Coward liner, core memory created for him thanks to the team. So did you see this guy catching the ball, catching the foul ball, Philip? It was a heck of a catch. I, I saw it on Twitter after. Unfortunately, when you're producing the game, it's a little hard to watch it because there is so much of a delay. And so usually right. I'm trying to, you know, focus on my job and all that. And, you know, usually I'll just put squeeze play kind of on in the background muted. But I did see the catch on Twitter, and that was one heck of a play. Yeah, I mean, I, I, if I made a catch like that, I would probably re, re, I'd probably tweet it out and pin it to the top of my profile because <laughs> there's no way I could replicate it. So that was, uh, that was well done. He got a big cheer from the crowd in attendance. So uh, definitely an awesome memory. Uh, John Moody says, oddly enough, he will remember the crazy two-lane series because basically all three games were in one day. That was probably the longest day of uh, of baseball coverage I've ever had, Philip. I think it is. I mean, maybe we've had some regionals where there's been three games due to weather, yeah. but at least the, like one of those wasn't an ECU game. So even if we were at the ballpark, we were just kind of sitting there, tilting our thumbs, hanging out, watching some baseball. But the fact that we had to be engaged on every pitch – for two plus games was yeah it was definitely the longest day I've had to had to do. Cheryl Sailor, the mother of Garrett Sailor, uh, I met this weekend. It was great to to catch up with the Sailor family. Uh, she says all of it. The Sailor family has so many great memories on and off of the field. Thank you, Pirate Nation. We love you. Uh, and Garrett, hey, look, he did his job Saturday uh, night. Philip, he, he gave his team a chance to win and. You know, two of the, the final outings of his career, pitching a regional 1-0 game, uh, and then also the eighth-inning gym he spun in the conference tournament. So Garrett uh, definitely left his legacy on ECU. He did. You know, and that's all you can ask for as a player personally to go out. Now, obviously, the, these guys are way more worried about team goals than individual goals, so I'm sure he would rather have a crappy final outing and, a you know, a trophy in Omaha. But, you know, at the end of the day, when you look back on your career, you want to be able to say, hey, I went out. You know, I, I went out there. I was shoving, you know, pounding the zone, throwing strikes. And that's something that no one can ever take away from him. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, his, his career as a pirate has come to an end. But could you write it up to finish any better as a pitcher than having two outings like that? No doubt, and, and leaving it all on the field. And even Carter Spivey, I know he got hit hard in the final appearance, but the dude pitched twice in one day. Like, I mean, he was clearly on fumes. And, like, uh, you know, all you can ask is to leave it all on the field, which he clearly did. And, he, you know, he, he – uh, I tell you, let's – Clark, do you have those cuts ready? Let's play one of those cuts because Spivey, as he was leaving the, the field for the final time, he hugged Garrett Saylor. And uh, Garrett Saylor was asked about after the game. Those two seniors kind of shared a moment. Let's play Garrett Saylor's cut uh, from yesterday's press conference. I mean, being surprised since coming in as freshman, we were the only um, the only two pitchers in our class. Um, so and obviously we're going to be best friends. Um, we're going to be each other's wedding. Um, I mean, coming off the field like I. I, I knew it could be it could be his last outing, uh, and I, I mean I just hugged him, told him I loved him, and I was proud of him, and it's not in his head because what he's done for Pirate Nation is 
is unbelievable. Um, his story, um, he faced a lot of adversity those first couple years as, as a pirate, and last year he just kind of took off. And I know, I know Pirate Nation can. Uh, we're just so proud of him and so proud of you and so proud of everybody else. I mean, it's. There's Garrett Saylor. I tell you what, nothing is, is more difficult as a beat writer than sitting through this press conference every year with the seniors. Cliff Godwin always brings the seniors when they lose at the final game, and it's always extremely emotional. Uh, let's go ahead and hit Carter Spivey as well here, uh, Clark, and uh, his cut. He was kind of asked about closing his career. And first three years, struggled on the mound to find kind of a consistent role and then had two great years to close out his time. Here, here is Carter Spivey uh, putting a bow in his career in his, his final press conference. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm not the only one. I think, you know, all three of us have battled our own things in different ways. And um, I think that's, that's what it means to be a power baseball player. But you embrace the adversity, you work through it, you get better. And, and I think three of us up here can attest to that. All right, there's Carter Spivey. We'll save the Lane Hoover cut for a little bit. I think we got a few more comments about the seniors as we return to your Twitter comments. Matt Slate says he'll remember this season. He says it's the most consistent lineup, top to bottom, we have had. They believed in themselves and each other, and we were never out of a game. They knew every game was going to be the opponent's best shot. Great student athletes and ambassadors for East Carolina University. And um, I know some people said maybe this wasn't the best offense ECU has had. But one thing they were good at, Philip, is uh, coming back late in games. And even it even felt like yesterday. I thought off the bat that Starling Ball had a chance to get out and tie the game with a grand slam. But you did feel like this team was never out of a game, even though they didn't. They weren't the most explosive offense in ECU history, but they did kind of have a knack for the dramatic. They did, and a lot of that had to do with the hitting being contagious. Unfortunately, it seemed like there were some games maybe. Like, if they were down 3-1 to one with a couple innings to go, you didn't always feel like they had as much of a chance. But if they were down, say, 7-5, to five, you really felt like they had a big opportunity. But yesterday, despite only being down 4-2, to two, there was like this weird glimmer of hope in the eighth inning, and it happened. There was a couple weirdly played balls in the outfield, and it was like, is this the beginning of something you see out of a movie where the team comes back and in some dramatic fashion the outfielders are tripping over each other? And it, you know, I thought the same thing when that ball left the bat. I was like, man, we, you know, I guess that was end up being a couple innings later or the next inning. Was this going to be a grand slam? You know, so. Um, yeah, they did, and like you said, like you know, who I can't remember who made the comment. So it might have been the best top to bottom line. They showed a graphic yesterday, I believe it was for the first game on TV, that showed the pirate hitters seven through nine in the lineup in this regional were like seven for eleven in the first two games. I mean, it was crazy. Just when you're seven, eight, nine can go out there and hit the ball the way that Joey Barini, Alec Makarevich, and Lane Hoover did, it really is special. And now I do want to actually make one point based off of comment we made earlier, but I just saw the stat flash up as I'm watching the Florida-Texas Tech game. When you said a lot of teams would give anything to be in ECU's position, Florida has actually not made a Super Regional since the last time East Carolina didn't back in 2018. They've hosted twice, 
and not made it out of their own host region, and one time gone to Lubbock and not made it out. So a premier program like Florida has not had anywhere near the success that East Carolina's had over the last three years. It's not easy. It's definitely not easy, and all ECU can do is keep putting itself in this position to to get there one day. Let's continue with your comments. Jansen Kidd says Josh Moylan's earth-shattering nuke over the scoreboard against Campbell. The away pirate crowd in Chapel Hill and seeing the new powder purple uniforms in person for the first time. He says he's proud of the boys. I'm still not a fan of powder purples, Philip, but look, if you're a fan of them, you're a fan of them. There's no middle ground. I feel like people either love them or hate them. I'm on the hate train, but I'm not going to like say they shouldn't wear them. They can do what they want. Um, but, man, I, I got to agree. Even though he didn't win the, the Campbell game, that Josh Moylan home run, he hit the absolute mess out of it, and that's something I'll always remember. Yeah, that game reminded me of the midweek Carolina game from 2020 when it was just – or, sorry, 2021, sorry, where it was just electric. It was back and forth, unfortunately. The Pirates did not come out victorious in that one. But, yeah, I remember sitting in the press box and looking over at you and Patrick Mason. It's like, I think that thing really did just clear the scoreboard. And I kind of had a gut feeling going into that bat. It's like, I think he's about to rip one right center. And, and sure enough, he did. And you know, Unfortunately, we didn't win that game, but what an electric game. There's no doubt. It was uh, one of the best games I've covered, win or lose. Uh, we'll get to a few more comments and take a break. Uh, Austin Voss says he will remember the senior rebounds. Hoover going from a cold start to one of the best hitters on the team. Garrett Saylor finding his ace stuff late in the season. Spivey reforming his himself out of the bullpen. Uh, Charles Allen also says the three seniors and their impact in a great junior class as well. Before we hit our break, Clark, let's hit the Lane Hoover quote. Again, this was an emotional Lane Hoover senior, fifth-year senior after his final game. Uh, we'll hit his cut, and then we'll take our break. Here's Lane Hoover talking about you know his legacy leaving at ECU. All I can say is that uh, we gave it all we got, especially us three, and uh, practice we're all with all respondents, and um, all I know is that we're, we're pirates for life, and um, this team's going to keep on going up, and, you know, we're going to get there eventually, and I'm not sure when, but I um, can't thank partners enough. Like I said, we gave everything we got. There's an emotional Lane Hoover in his final press conference as an ECU baseball player. All right, let's get our second break in. We'll come back, continue with your comments and more as we look back at the 2023 ECU baseball season. Everything you need to know in the world of ECU athletics. This is Hoist the Colors with Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. All right, welcome back into the program, Monday, June 5th edition of Hoist the Colors. I wish we weren't sitting here doing a Remember the Season episode of Hoist the Colors, but that's what we're doing. Pirates falling out of the Charlottesville Regional with an 8-3 to loss on Sunday night in the Regional Final. Virginia moves on. They'll be hosting the winner of Duke and Coastal Carolina in the Super Regional next week, but ECU season comes to an end, and we're, we're reading your comments. Philip Pilkington and I, as we look back at the season and share some of your thoughts. And if you got any that you haven't sent us on Twitter, hit us up on YouTube and Facebook. We'll get to those before the show ends. Let's continue on, Philip. Uh, Blake Wise on Twitter says, 
one thing he will remember most about the 2023 ECU Baseball Pirates is they played with a target on their backs the entire season, more than normal, and responded well. They fought till the end of every game, which was tough to watch at times, laugh out loud, but proud. Uh, yeah, and that's something we kind of have a theme of here. There, there was not a whole lot of uh, easy victories, and Cliff Goblin said it best. You know, he said they always it was always tough. Um, and whether it be injuries or other factors, there, there was a lot of close games, a lot of gray hairs, I think, for a lot of Pirate fans as a result of this season. Yeah, there was. But, you know, we kind of hit on earlier the fact that this team never seemed to be out of a game because when one hit or even sometimes one walk happened, it was able to turn this lineup around in any on any given day. Uh, I mean, obviously there were a few days that it just seemed like they couldn't get the bats rolling. They'd only score a run or two. But if they were already at that four to five run, um, you know, spot, they could easily score four or five more just in one inning, which made it fun. But also, I mean, you know, like you kind of mentioned there, it made it, made it a little rough. Throwing off that thought, Tommy Clayton says they fought, and, you know, simple and short, you know, they fought, and, and that's one thing ECU always will do under Cliff Goblin. Uh, Matt says they just found ways to win. Offense would put up a bagel for six innings and then come alive at the perfect time. If the batting wasn't there, the pitching was. If the pitchers were having an off night, the bats stepped up. And, yeah, that's how you end up with 47 wins. You find ways to win. That's what good teams do. Uh, Nick says the comeback against North Carolina in front of a sold-out crowd was a great game to go to. I assume he's talking about the home game, which was a record-breaking 6,003. But then the same thing happened a few days later at UNC, which I think was also a sold-out crowd. Where, again, this offense didn't do much for, what, seven, eight innings, and then at the perfect time woke up. And uh, You know, Pirate fans always love beating the Tar Heels, and those were those were two big wins, Philip. They were. I, mean, I was fortunate enough to attend both of those games. Very chilly afternoon at the Bosch, but the Pirate fans showed up really well for that one, as they did for that Friday night home game. And you know, I, I'm not gonna lie, I grew up a Duke fan, so obviously my hatred for Carolina is just as big as anyone's on this earth. So anytime Carolina can get beat, it's a great day. When they lose to the Pirates, it's an even better day. Man, is it just weird that those two games feel like five years ago? Oh, they do. I, I don't even feel like they were part of the season in a way. It just it's it's been a long year in, in good ways and bad ways. But you know, games that happened in February, it's like wow. That I guess that it was only four months ago. That's the thing is like it just it goes by quickly, but it also feels like it takes forever. Baseball season is a hundred percent like that because the games are so long. But then, like, the season, you know, just flies by because there's always games going on, if that makes sense. So yeah. uh, i tell you what, it's, I'm sad it's over because now we – what are we going to talk about for the rest of June and July? I mean, we got football season to preview, but now it's, it, just, it goes so fast. You know, Patrick Mason from the Reflector and I were talking about this leaving the press box yesterday. Like, it's it's 100 miles an hour, and then when the final game completes, it comes to a screeching halt. And then, like, now I'm looking around, like, what are we going to do? Yeah, the unfortunate thing, too, is like, 
yeah, there's some OTAs going on in the NFL right now, but they're even kind of dead in June. I mean, obviously a lot of Pirate players will be getting our interest come the preseason for NFL because that's kind of the one thing when college sports aren't going on. It's like, well, focus on baseball. Obviously, we got Alec Burleson, Gavin Williams, Connor Norby to talk about. Well, with the exception of those three, right now it is it is a little weird. It's like, man, what is going on right now? There's no doubt. Uh, it uh, slows down quickly. I guess we, we can always talk NBA Finals. Is that what the people want? Do the Hoist the Colors <laughs> listeners want NBA Finals discussion? I, I, no. I'm going to go on a limb and say no. Patrick has always told us, like, we're doing his sports update, just keep NBA out of the update. Not many NBA fans are on here. So I'm going to go on a limb and say, unless if there was a Pirate player, in the, if Tristan Newton is in the NBA Finals one day, I, I think, uh, you know, people are going to care, or Ezra Osar. But uh, other than that, I, I don't think anybody cares. Yeah, there's not not a ton of NBA chatter on hoistthecolors.net these days either. Uh so, hey, we'll find something to talk about. And, uh, all right, a few more comments here, and then we'll get our final break in. Zach says he'll remember how much they fought through adversity, injuries, delays, score deficits, et cetera. Yeah, there were a ton of injuries this year. I mean, you Savage, Miss Time, Sailor. Uh, obviously, Justin Wilcoxon missed the whole Houston series, and I don't think we realized at the time how important he was. Uh, Starling missed some time, wasn't 100% towards the end of the year. So you had a lot of guys that were key missed times that may have ultimately cost ECU a chance to host. Uh, Pirate 24-7, final comment here, I believe he says the sandwich incident, which is hard not to remember. <laughs> As Josh Gross uh, was, uh, was suspended for an entire game for feeding Jacob Starling a sandwich, a Jersey Mike sandwich after hitting a home run in the conference tournament. One of the more bizarre things made national headlines. And uh, I hope we never have to see something as big of a joke as that again. I hope not. Two weeks ago, it was ticked off. It's really funny now. I'm sorry. I know, I know it's yeah. two weeks ago to happen, but looking back on it now, I mean, what do you do? It's, it's funny. But you know, everybody kind of mentions the injuries. What I remember about this season is kind of, taking the other side of things, is all the guys who stepped up who maybe at the beginning of the year were counted out. You know, Carter Cunningham had a starting role, but everybody said, oh, he won't be starting come March. He ended up leading the team in average. A lot of people did not think Joey Barini or Luke Nowak will play as big of a role as they did, and they did it before guys got injured, and then when guys got injured, even more of those guys stepped up. Yeah, you're right. Joey Barini had an awesome year. Carter Cunningham, unsung hero, had a phenomenal final month of the season. And uh, he's a junior. We'll see if he's back next year. A lot of question marks as far as the personnel going forward. And we got a question from Robert. Can we talk a little bit about the new conference teams next year? Maybe who we know is coming back. We'll get it. I'll tell you what, let's take, let's take our final break. We'll maybe get into that discussion. On the other side, preview next year a little bit. I'm going to write up a, a long preview on Hoist the Colors uh, for our VIP subscribers for later this week, but we'll get into some of that discussion on the other side. We'll be right back. You're listening to Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. The Pirates play here. Arr! This is Hoist the Colors Radio with Stephen Iko. Yes! That was so good! On 94.3 The Game. All right, welcome back into this Hoist the Colors Monday, June 5th edition. Uh, we got a few more comments to get through and then a question in these final few minutes of the show. Uh, David Hamilton says, excuses can be made. Miss pitches, miss catches, miss hits, host slash visiting team. The only truth is 
Virginia was the better team, and they certainly were this weekend, David. And, uh, look, it, it helps to be playing at home, uh, but Virginia is legit. they got about five or six professional hitters in that lineup. Wouldn't be surprised at all if they do some damage in Omaha. Uh, and then Theron Bell on Twitter, if I'm pronouncing that right, if I mispronounce it, I'm sorry, uh, says all of it as far as what, what they'll remember, how Riley Johnson plays center field with reckless abandon, daring to be great every fly ball. Yeah, he tried his best to uh, to rob that home run yesterday. He says how Carter Cunningham transformed his bodily battling from sub to starter to all AAC, how Carter Sp- Spivey moved from deep on depth chart to player of the year, and ECU baseball season ending hits different because of the Pirate Nation's passion. And that's the thing, Philip. it's just... It's hard to process because <clears throat> I think it's more about we don't get to watch this team anymore, more so than, you know, it being a bust of a season because they didn't make it to Omaha, like some people want to say. I think it's just people miss Pirate Baseball when it's not there. Yeah, it's pretty hard not to watch the games. And I think for us being media members, you know, we kind of talked about those seniors too. I mean, you know, I'm not going to sit here and act like we hang out with them outside of work, but, you know, we do know those guys. I mean, you've interviewed those three guys for five years now, and the fact that they're gone now really is one of the toughest parts. And the fact that, I mean, like you mentioned, it's it's the season flies by when there's four games a week, and you go from four to none. All right, and somebody, Robert, wanted to know kind of early look at next year. So uh, this is so tough to project because you got the MLB draft, you got incoming class. You know, it's just hard to find info on incoming freshmen. I know that, you know, some of the names, potential impact guys, but also they could get drafted. So as far as what's returning, you know, Jacob Jenkins, Coward's sophomore, he should be back, obviously. Uh, we know for, that ECU's losing Lane Hoover. Carter Spivey, Garrett Saylor, Josh Moreland, from what I hear, is probably gone. He's just going to be drafted too high, and he's got to go. Uh, the, the ones to watch for me are Jacob Starling, who's a junior, Josh Gross, who's a junior, Carter Cunningham, junior, and I uh, believe there may be one more, Justin Wilcoxon. Those are the four that I'm really eyeing going into the draft. They all have draft potential. Do they want to sign and move on for maybe not a ton of money because they're, this is their best leverage year, or do they opt to come back? That could kind of shape ECU's offseason. Beyond that, you know, there's still a lot of talent returning. There's a lot of talent incoming, but those are the names to kind of watch Philip going forward. Yeah, I think so. Those are the ones that you obviously have to watch, but, you know, the last few years, we've kind of been blindsided by a guy or two here or there, and we didn't expect C.J. Mayhew to leave after last year. So there probably will be one surprise guy, but I definitely think those are the guys you got to look out for. And then there's also the portal. I mean, you know, a guy like Cam Clonch proved how good he was this year, but yet he still wasn't an everyday starter. Now, you think if Josh Moylan does leave, he would take over that first base starting role, but could you have a guy like that hit the portal just saying, hey, I'm not getting quite enough playing time here? Those are the conversations that go on. Also, another guy, Landon Ginn, definitely draft eligible and definitely has good enough stuff to go. So we'll see kind of what happens there. But, look, Cliff Goblin always reloads. EC baseball will be good once again in 2024. But, hey, this was uh, – I'm not going to say it was fun because I never like looking back at a season. I wish the Pirates were still playing. But I appreciate Philip Pilkington. His insight also thanks to all the questions. We'll continue to reevaluate the 2023 ECU baseball season in the days ahead. Also, continue to preview the football season as we turn the page. You've been listening to Hoist the Colors. We'll be back with you tomorrow at 12 noon.
This has been Hoist the Collars with your host, Stephen Igo. Tune in weekdays at noon for all things ECU sports. Get a recap of the show at 943thegame.com, on Twitter, Facebook, or anywhere you get your podcasts. We're back tomorrow with more of Hoist the Collars on 943 the game.